welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, PK, and alongside me this week, uh, in Lafayette, Indiana, we have Eric Roseberry. Eric, how are you? I am doing well, taking a night off from Reds baseball to watch some NBA basketball, so it yep. all worked out. Same same here, yeah. it's uh, we're, we're recording this on the off day, uh, Monday. As as we generally do, we have a our pretty uh, set recording schedule now. But yeah, no Reds baseball today. Um, so yeah, we have, actually have to find other things to occupy our time. Oddly enough, and uh, also joining us this week, uh, Wick Terrell. Wick, how are you? I'm good, guys. Yeah, it's a, it was a quick flash start to the season. The Reds are eight and five, unexpectedly first place in the NL Central, but. Uh, as busy as that was and as cool as that was to follow, I feel like I've kind of got, I kind of needed an off day probably along the lines of the Reds bullpen at this point. Cause, uh, yeah. there, there'd been a lot happening for it to be 13 games in the season and, and having a Monday night off is, is kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Yeah. So. I think, I think everyone is uh pretty, pretty happy about this off day, especially, especially the Reds pitchers. Um, yeah. You know, I, and I think that'll kind of seg right into our first uh, topic for this evening, and that is the patchwork Reds pitching staff that uh, we have seen so far. So, you know, already this year, we you know we we started the season with uh, guys like Homer Bailey and Anthony Discafani on the disabled list, and you know, we we had the the starting five set, and now. You know, Ricky Davis picks up uh, an injury on his uh, forearm after getting hit by a pitch, and now uh, Brandon Finnegan looks like he'll miss a couple of weeks with uh, like a, a back muscle, a lat, I think is what it was, what it ended up being. So um, already, you know, we're two weeks into the season, and the Reds are already down two starters of their uh, original rotation, which means that um, we've seen Sal Romano make his major league debut. Um, we don't know who is going to pitch as of recording time. We don't know who is going to pitch, uh, that first game, I think against the Cubs, um, on Friday. Yeah. Friday. So, I think. um, yeah, I think that's still kind of up in the air. So let's just kind of go into, um, you know, what are the Reds going to do from here on the starting pitching standpoint? And, you know, how has this affected the bullpen already? <laughs> I was just going to say, I know at the beginning of the season, it's just a good reminder. I think everybody was worried. Where, where are all the starts for everybody going to be? And it's easy to get stressed out about that. And before we know it, we're sitting in a situation where there's maybe not be enough guys to start. So, uh, yeah, you, you brought it up. I think, uh, Someone I saw tweeted out yesterday, but as of at the end of yesterday, the Reds were the only team in baseball where the the bullpen has pitched more innings than starters have at this point. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not just that uh, starters are going down um, and the bullpen's been great, but I don't think this is a a setup that's going to work in the long term altogether. Yeah, it's it's been like remarkable to watch the attrition because um, it's one thing to I mean. It's attrition immediately after in the Reds' uh, transition period from attrition from a different perspective. Uh, you look up at that, you know, the basically it's the 2012 rotation that's going to go down in Reds' history. And the farther removed we get from it, the more and more remarkable it becomes. Where five guys took 161 starts, the only one guy 
who are the only one start that wasn't made by the five was because of a doubleheader and a rainout. Um, from that kind of pitching stability, what the Reds have seen this year, last year, the year before that, it's uh, I, I I haven't done the the, the legwork required to to dig into all of the numbers to find out which teams have started you know certain numbers of guys over the course of a period of time. Uh, but it's hard to imagine, at least in recent memory. Uh, any team being stuck with so many good young pitching options uh, that can't go more than like two starts at a time. Um, and that's what the Reds are facing right now. And and we've talked about it in pregame a little bit. I tweeted it yesterday. But there were 15 guys that made starts for the Cincinnati Reds in 2016. And already on April – it was yesterday, April 16th yesterday, none of them were in the starting rotation anymore. Um, it, which is like that, that kind of – Overhaul just it, it blows my mind a little bit because there's you know even the young guys like Brandon Finnegan and Anthony Discofani that they turned the rotation over to uh, both of them are now hurt too so it's like the you're turning it over to the the, the returnovers at this point if that makes any sense and um, it's it, it's almost seems like foresight when we've looked at opening day and wondered why Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed weren't in the rotation and got stuck in the bullpen, uh, they're effectively getting the innings of starters at this point, despite the fact they're not starting every fifth day as the quote unquote starter. And as we saw with Tim Adelman mm-hmm. yesterday, you know, I, I think if, if he told any of the three of us on, uh, you know, the run up to opening day that Tim Adelman, Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed would be in the starting rotation, we'd all been like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Those were three of the, the higher profile candidates. Um, now they're kind of being tasked with being the starting pitcher innings eaters. They're just having to do it from the bullpen, um, which is it's it's unprecedented. It's been fantastic to watch, uh, or fascinating at least. Yeah, I I think yeah. To me, it's it's the most exciting thing about this Reds team right now. Right, is that you know yeah. every day in day out, you're going to see a different bullpen strategy, and you're going to see. You know, hey, maybe we're gonna see Rysel Iglesias in the fourth inning, like, like that, and he closed, uh, did it at a two inning save in his last game. Like, it's it's crazy to see that happen, but at the same time, you know, I I think that what Brian Price has tried to preach so far as his kind of pitching philosophy is he's having we've seen a quick hook on the starters. You know, we saw that um, you know, when uh, Brandon Finnegan just didn't have it in his uh, last start, or his second to last start before going on the DL, and, uh, you know, only went two-plus innings. And then, um, you know, obviously the bullpen came out and had seven perfect innings after that. But, you know, I think that when you look at the workload of the relievers and you know, I think that that was kind of predicated on maybe the relievers will have to eat, you know, four, three, four innings a night, and but but not six, seven innings a night, and that's kind of been where the Reds have been at lately, where yeah. you know their their starters. You know, I think coming into the season, we were kind of talking about like, oh, it'd be great if we could get you know five, six innings out of our starters, let alone seven or eight innings like you'd want, but. I think you know right now the Reds are only getting maybe two, three innings out of their starters on most nights, and uh, you know that's starting to take its toll a little bit. And I, I, I totally agree that I don't think it's something that's going to be sustainable for the whole season. But 
Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll two, see. I think we're, we'll need somebody to come in and eat innings. Two, two things stand out specifically to me in this. Um, you know, the rebuild got started in 2014, as we all know. Uh, 2015 was kind of the first year where they were really trying to shed people actively. Uh, but if you looked up at on, you know, uh, the run-up to the start of 2016 last year and said that, at, you know, on April 17th, 2017, uh, Rysel Iglesias, Michael Lorenzen, Cody Reed, um, uh, uh, let's see, what's up? <laughs> Iglesias, Lorenzen, Stevenson. Reed, Stevenson, and Edelman would be your five most dependable pitchers on the big league roster. That wouldn't sound too outlandish, would it? I mean, that that's that was within the I mean, that's your opening day starter last year. Lorenzen's a supplemental first round pick. Stevenson and Reed obviously were highly regarded, and Edelman is you know he's proved himself to be a okay pitcher at the big league level. Um, that's kind of where the Reds are right now. It's those five guys are the most dependable, healthy pitchers they have. They're just all in the bullpen right now, um, and that's a really interesting. Uh, strategy to look at considering that it's not like they're in bullpen roles that traditionally are what you think of as bullpen roles, which is those five guys are going to combine to get you two innings a night. Those five guys are going to get you six innings a night is kind of what it's coming down to right now. And how that shakes out mathematically is going to be a big, big, big uh, uh, show to me at least of Brian Price's medal at this point, because, um, you know, there was a time where we, we looked up and said, Hey, the Reds are dismantling this previous great run, but they're bringing in nothing but pitchers. Like where are all these pitchers going to end up? Like there's too many pitchers and not enough position prospects. Now he's got a lot of position for uh, pitching prospects that got brought in in all those scenarios. And, um, there still are a lot of really talented, really young pitchers in the Reds pitching staff, they're just doing it in a way that is that hasn't been seen by any team really in probably what two three decades at least. Yeah, I mean, it's I I can't imagine that any team has tried to do what the Reds are trying to do right now. And yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. The the other thing that jumps out to me also is is when you look up and and see how criticized the Reds were for this rebuild and how everything else was. Like, can you imagine this start to this season? With the way the bullpen has been handled and performed, with a healthy Discofani, a healthy Finnegan, uh, a healthy Homer Bailey, and even two of the three still healthy at this point, you know, you look up and say, okay, well, there's there's a glimmer of hope here because it's not just how they performed and the innovation that's been behind the thought process; it's how, what it's who they're doing it without at this point also, which really jumps off the page to me is saying, hey, maybe they knew a lot more about what they wanted to do with managing all these arms a lot sooner than we had a chance to actually see it play out on the field. Yeah, I mean, that has the potential. I mean, it, it, it maybe it doesn't have to be a long-term solution, but if they can just kind of keep it up through June, I mean, you could hit middle of June and all of a sudden maybe the Reds are – still have a decent record and Bailey's coming back and Desclafani's coming back. And I think we'll have a pretty good idea about Mesoraco at that point. And uh, it could make for an interesting summer around Cincinnati if all those pieces kind of fall in place. Yeah, I agree completely. And I mean, you look up at some of the other moves that they made during the last couple of years that have been really playing out and panning out well right now. You look at Blake Wood. I mean, a guy who was 30 years old that Delano DeShields manager in Louisville said, hey, this guy's been closing for the Pirates AAA team and is dominant. Why is he in the minors right now? Go get him. 
Well, they went out and got him, and he's turned into one of those guys who can also get you more than just three outs per game, do it while hitting 98 miles an hour with a fastball. Um, the way the Reds have rebounded from uh, the pitching staff that started this time last year, both starting pitchers and bullpen, um, you know, their record could be, uh, what, uh, it, they could be 2-11 and 11 right now. But if the pitching staff had pitched the way that it has for those 13 games, so what we've seen, injuries aside, I'd still be really impressed with the arms that they've acquired and how they've deployed them, um, regardless of what the record is. The fact that they've won games in the process has been great to see too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they've, they, 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 it's almost like they operated under that premise of you can never have too many starters, uh, or never have too many pitchers because there's no such thing as a pitching prospect because a lot of them are going to go down. But if you can bring in five, Three of them go down. One of them turns out to be okay, and one of them turns into a star. Do it, absolutely do it, and not try to pick and choose uh, uh, which ones are going to be the stars. Just go quantity over quality, and, and and trust the process. And I think that's kind of what we've seen play out so far to start this year. And uh, hopefully, some of the injuries aren't as damning as they initially sound, and we'll see guys back, you know, w- without uh, uh, initial detriment come mid June. Hopefully with Finnegan a little bit earlier than that. But yeah, you look up and say, hey, it's a first place team that can expect Homer Bailey and uh, 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 Anthony Scafani and Brandon Finnegan back within the next month and a half. Uh, that's that's intriguing. That 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 that's a well done pitching rebuild. Um, and we haven't even gotten to the position prospects that have been hitting the heck out of the ball so far to start of the season too. Yeah, and I one other pitching related thing that I wanted to mention too is you know. The, the Reds have basically done this just because of that depth that they acquired that, you know, every pretty much every deal that they've made was, you know, to, to get rid of these old stalwarts that have been here for a long time, like Jay Bruce and like, um, you know, Johnny Cueto and going back to those deals, the Todd Frazier deal, like, or I guess outside of the Todd Frazier deal, but uh, all of these uh they just keep on accumulating pitching the Dan Straley deal they went and got Luis Castillo who is so they're bringing in all this depth and it's kind of starting to pay off you know you have you know we were kind of talking about the patchwork rotation where guys can't pitch a lot of innings but you know hey if one of those guys falters you've got three other guys in the bullpen who can probably make the jump into the rotation at some point, you know, given that they're uh, pitching well. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how they've done this and it's, it's a credit to, you know, Dick Williams and as much as I'll begrudgingly say this to Walt Jockety for, uh, for some of these acquisitions that have are proving themselves to be valuable Maybe in a more unorthodox manner than we originally thought. So, yeah, absolutely. And and props to Brian Price and and Dick Williams both being on the same page of saying, "Hey, we're bringing in you uh, as many arms as we can fit in this basket. We know you're a pitching coach. We know things are not ideal at this time. Uh, play the cards that you've been given and and play them to your to your uh, to what you believe in at this point. We don't." Don't get stuck trying to squeeze five innings out of the guy who started the game if you don't think he can do it, you know, and and roll the dice, go with guys. We're giving you guys who have been stretched out as starters, so you've got the depth to be able to pull it off. Be creative. Be innovative if you have to, and Price has done that. 
Like he really has done that. He's operated like he's a pitching coach uh, throughout this entire time. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I wrote about it last week. You know, he's once again in his last guaranteed year under contract, which if you think about it, he was in his last guaranteed year under contract until the last week of the season last year. They brought him back for a two-year deal that's really a one-year deal with a team option, not a mutual option. Um, which meant he basically went about the course of five games from going from lame dunk to being lame duck again. Um, he was lame duck on, on opening day this year again. Um, and to see him managing aggressively, which is pretty much the best way to describe it, I think, uh, this early in the season with so many young starters and doing what he's done while having no guarantees of what his contract's going to suggest after this year. Uh, that's been the biggest takeaway for me probably of the first 13, 15, 14 games is that uh, a team that is not backed price while they've you know managed to go long-term view on every other part of their franchise at the moment, uh, he's been kind of the star of this, honestly. Um, and I, I, I'm interested to see how that evolves if things keep falling down around him because uh, yeah, he's kind of being forced to manage by the seat of his pants every single night. Yep, indeed. And uh, with that, let's kind of go into the position players so far. Um, you know, as as Wick, as you alluded to, you know, a lot of guys have a good season so far. Um, a lot of prospects hitting well so far, but maybe not the guys that you would necessarily have counted on. Um, you know, when you when you look at who's performing the best on the Reds right now, you know, really it's Zach Cozart who has, you know, 16 hits in 11 games to start the season. Um, and really, you know, would be maybe the, what, sixth or seventh guy that I would have guessed to uh, be leading the Reds in hits right now. But uh, Zach Cozart has really come out of the gate hot. Eugenio Suarez is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. Um, you know, Adam Duvall is uh, kind of preaching that three true outcomes, Adam Dunn era right now, but uh, he, he's hitting well so far. So um, you know, who, who's impressed you guys uh, the most on the offensive side so far? Yeah, I think for me, it's definitely been Suarez. Uh, and I know we've talked about him on here before, just, uh, how some fans, and honestly, I think I kind of had had written him off as a long-term option or piece for Cincinnati because Senzo was going to come up. There wasn't going to be room for him in the outfield. Uh, but with how he's uh, hitting the ball this year, um, and I know we're not talking about this right now, but even how he's looked defensively at third base, uh, I don't know how Cincinnati goes forward without finding a spot in this lineup for him moving forward as long as he keeps playing like this. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, if you talk about the two guys that we we basically, you know, who has been written off uh, currently on this roster uh, beyond a year, year and a half because of the rebuild and because of what's else, you know, in the franchise and the system, uh, you know, trading Suarez because Sinzel's coming up, trading Cozart so that Peraza and Dilson Herrera uh, can be the middle infield of the future. And here we are looking up at the two guys who basically carried the Reds offensively through the first week and a half, two weeks of the season, and it's those two guys. Um, you know, Cozart's obviously a, a different case because he's a, a over thirty middle infielder with a history of injuries that you know hasn't been able to stay healthy the last two years and uh, is in the last year of his contract. So obviously, you know, 
envisioning the Reds moving him is the that's the easy obvious decision. Uh, but with Suarez, the guy's twenty five years old and keeps improving. Uh, got switched to a position he'd never played since he was nineteen years old, or never started a game since he was nineteen years old uh, to start last year to fill the Todd Frazier void. Took a while to get used to it, but finished the season very, very strongly. Um, and has picked up – he hasn't even picked up where he left off. He's improved on where he left off last year. Um, like you said, his glove has been extremely impressive. He's playing third base like he's a, a, a starting shortstop capable defender. Um, and he's not going to cover off the ball. And he's doing it against not just lefties, which is what he's kind of done over the course of his career. Uh, he's doing it against everybody he faces. And obviously he's not going to sustain a you know 700-plus slugging percentage, but – with a guy who's in his prime, is still pre-arb eligible, and can cover third base uh, at a plus defensive ability, can cover shortstop in a need, uh, that's that's a guy you build around. That's not a guy you shed for a prospect, even if the prospect mm-hmm. is as good a guy as Nick Sinzel. Like you, you find a way to make that work. Uh, much like, you know, <laughs> heck, what we just talked about with the pitching staff. Uh, you know, what if the Reds had shed uh, Di Scalfani because they thought Brandon Finnegan could take over and then Finnegan gets hurt? You know, these these things have a way of working themselves out without people getting too far ahead of themselves. And I'm mm-hmm. absolutely a, 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 a classic case of having done it often in my postulations and looking forward as we go through this rebuild. But uh, I, I think the Reds would pretty readily admit if you asked them – been a you know an off the record scenario. Are you glad you kept these two guys? Are you glad you didn't look too far ahead? They would say, "Oh hell yes!" Like thank God these guys have been hitting yeah. the way they have. They're really 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 good players. Um, so yeah, that that's been extremely impressive to me to watch so far this year. Yeah, yeah, I think and you know when you uh, when you look at a guy like like Suarez especially, you know he keeps on reminding me of a guy like Ben Zobrist who, you know. Came to the big leagues, didn't really have a set spot, but he's the kind, the kind of guy you find a way to get him in the lineup every day, and he breaks. And I think you know Suarez can do exactly the same thing. He can play all over the infield if he has to. Um, he can play corner outfield spots. So, yeah, I think that um, the Reds would be pretty foolish to you know think that a guy like Suarez is a surplus at any point because yeah, I think that's a guy you need to build around as opposed to, you know, get out of the, get out of the way. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great point. And when, I mean, I guess the Reds, they moved him around the infield a little bit in spring training. And we got a couple starts at, at short, but yeah, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned Zobris. That's an interesting, obviously that's the, I mean, it, it's the name that comes up anytime you think of anybody who who looks like they could be versatile. Obviously, because teams were willing to be versatile with Zobrist, uh, but he's also a guy right. who is just I, I, versatile or not. He's a freaking all star and an MVP caliber player for much of his career, regardless of where he plays. So the versatility is great, but the fact he is, he's just a great baseball player. And so yeah, right. you, you see you see Suarez and you say, okay, well. He proved he could play shortstop well enough. He hit better when he was playing there. He was still 23 when he came up with the Reds. Um, he's proven he can play third base very well the more time he gets there, and he's hitting better and better each time. Um, when do the Reds look up and say, hey, maybe we see what else we've got with this guy? You know, Maybe we see if he can be that guy who can who can play second base on occasion too. Um, guys like what? Like uh, uh, Beyond Zobris, like 
Placido Polanco, for instance, or um, what Javier Baez is doing with the Cubs now, getting starts at shortstop and second base, and he'll probably play a little bit of third base when Chris Bryant, the normal third baseman, moves to left field for a little bit. Um, you know, felt finding ways to get all of these bats, uh, not just to add bats to different spots this year, but to kind of groom them to be able to do it when it matters in theory, in 2018-2019, which is the way this rebuild is going. I'm anxious to see how they start juggling that as this particular season goes on. Um, obviously, we've seen it with with Jose Peraza last year just to get his bat in the lineup. Maybe Suarez is the guy this year you start looking up and say, hey, let's get him back-to-back starts at shortstop and give Cozart a little bit of a break. Or you know, get him a spot, uh, uh, late-inning defensive shift over to second base to play the last two innings and see what he does there. Um, because I think that... If everything else breaks right, you're going to have a, a wealth of options at the infield. And Suarez is the one guy that I think is not only both capable of moving around the infield, but is also a guy that is young enough and cheap enough that you want to commit to being around for the next four years too, which means, hey, the more uh, the more things he can do for you, the better. And so how that, how that shakes out will be fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. And uh... – one other position player uh, thing that I want to bring up that uh, we we haven't talked about yet is how how the guy that's leading the Reds in home runs and RBIs right now is uh, Scooter Friggin Jeanette. <laughs> so uh, yeah, in uh, you know, talk about a guy who hasn't you know doesn't have a set position with the Reds and uh, hasn't. Hasn't been starting every game. Isn't one of the the regulars in the lineup. You know they're they're figuring out ways to get Scooter Jeanette in the lineup, and he is absolutely raking right now. So, you know, how how about like his start to the season and what the Reds are trying to do with him? Yeah, I mean, I obviously nobody expected this, and I think one of the things that maybe points to for me is you know the the Reds are leading the NL Central have one of the best records in baseball right now and if you had told somebody two weeks into the season Cincinnati had this record they would have assumed well Votto's got to be killing the ball Hamilton's got to be getting on base more and they'd kind of go through a you know a list of five or six players before you get to the two or three players who are doing that for us uh and so I mean I think that can only lead to to optimism that they have this record, they're in this position they're in after two weeks, and a lot of their you know core pieces really aren't playing all that well right now. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, you look at you look at what jo- what Joey Votto has done to start the season, and he he's been you know I don't want to pile on him too much. He's been largely fine, but right, he's not he's not the one carrying the team right now. It's all these guys that you would have never expected. So I think that's a good point. Yeah, you look at Scooter and and, and he's he's a that that that's as savvy of a pickup for any team really as you would hope to find, much less one from a team that's rebuilding and they just managed to poach somebody from their division rival. Um, but you look up at what he brings to the table. He's only 26 years old. Like it's not like he's some over the hill guy. He's got what he's he's in his first uh yeah he's in his first year of arbitration eligibility so he's making a little over two million bucks this year, but the Reds have team control over him for the next two years like that's and they got him for nothing they just managed to look up and say hey he's available click bring him to us um so that that alone whether or not he you know he's he's what he's uh 
He's 8 for 26 with uh, three home runs and 10 RBIs to start the season. Even if he'd gone 2 for 26, that was still a great decision to pick him up. Um, and the fact that he's got that upside, he's been a five-win career player. He's averaged 129 games started a year of, for the last three years from Milwaukee. Um, yeah, I look up at him and I say, hey uh, – well done, Reds, first off. B, play them as often as you can. Rotate guys through. I mean, as much as I want to see Jose Peraza be that guy who can play every day, that doesn't mean he has to have 730 at-bats or 730 plate appearances a year. Get Scooter in there. Work him in. You've got an asset in him um, that I feel like the Brewers kind of woefully underestimated his value, to be honest. Um, not that he's going to be an all-star, not that he's going to OPS over 1,000 for the rest of his career, uh, but still, he's a guy who should have had some value at that price point. Um, get him in, get him starts, get him around uh, uh, the diamond, which is what they've done. I mean, he's already played at second, third, left field, and right field, and we're 10 games into the season. Um, that's that's exactly the kind of uh, move and utilization uh, sorry, BB Jones. Uh, uh, that 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 I, I would hope to see the Reds be willing to do with him, and I feel like that's kind of the um, I don't want to say it's the the turning of the page from Jockety to Dick Williams, but picking up Scooter was was a very Dick Williams move based on what we saw him do with waiver claims and uh, picking up guys who were 24, 25, 26 former top prospects and or former you know full time major league guys uh, over the last year. Uh, this one looks to me like it's obviously the best one. He's, you know, Scooter's going to fail tremendously based on what he's done the first 10 games for a lot of the rest of the season. But still, uh, uh, the premise behind it was good. Uh, the early returns have been great. Um, I, I can't wait to see how the rest of this middle infield shuffle sorts out. You know, we talked about getting Suarez versatility. Uh, Scooter's getting that versatility too. The Reds are going to have, if everything plays out, if Delson Herrera comes up, they're going to have a lot of options to play a lot of different positions, and that's how you build a really good team. And so I'm, I'm excited to see right. uh, where this goes from that first two weeks because it's been impressive uh, for the Cincinnati-born kid. Yeah, and you know, and we didn't even mention you know Alcantara, who didn't really have a, a good start to the season so far, but you know he's another guy who can pretty much slot anywhere in that infield. And so, you know, really, to me, that move, the, the Jeanette move especially, was like, to me, that was cover for the Reds are going to eventually trade Zach Cozart to a contender because for the reasons that, you know, we mentioned before. So, you know, when that happens, the, right now the Reds have like three guys who can play shortstop. And, you know, they'll have you know three guys who can play third and three guys who can play second. And that's exactly what you you need if you're going to keep guys fresh all season and when you have a team full of young guys that you want to get time to you want to get starts to you know you'll have guys that can play all around the diamond and uh that's just it's great to see yeah absolutely so um one other piece of news that um happened this week uh one of the reds top prospects jesse winker got his uh first call up his first uh, cup of coffee in the big leagues um came up for two games and then was sent straight back down but uh got two pinch hit appearances including his first uh hit first rbi um what do we think of this move bringing jesse winker up 
for two days, basically, two at-bats, and then sending him back down to Louisville. It was exciting watching him get a hit. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Indeed it was. I I think, I mean, to to follow up what we just talked about with with the depth in the infield, um, you know, I think it's never a bad thing to have three guys for two spots when it comes to the corner outfield, Um, especially if, you know, not all three of them are all lefties or not all three of them are all righties. Um, and one of them can cover center field in a pinch. Uh, and with Shevler and Duvall and Jesse Winker, in theory, you've got three solid options for those two spots. And, and again, you know, the full-time left fielder and full-time right fielder for a professional baseball team, uh, if they've caught every single plate appearance for every single uh, 162 games, you know, that's, that's pushing 1,500 plate appearances between the two. You can find a way to get each guy, you know, from start to finish. If you did all, all, you know, if if Winker had been up since day one and was going to stick around, you can find ways to get to guys mm. 500, 550 plate appearances. If you talk about Shevler scooting over and uh, picking up time for Billy in center field every now and then, or if Billy gets hurt, or if one of them gets hurt, there's time to have all of those guys up there. I think with Winker, this was one of those instances where the Reds obviously had rolled with a four man bench instead of a five man bench. Uh, through the first week and a half of the season, looked up and said, hey, we're starting a homestand. Uh, the pitching shuffle has been completely in flux. We're moving guys left and right. Uh, yeah, he's not going to stay up, but what the heck? What better bat do we have in the system to be a bench bat for the next two games? Jesse Winker, he's going to be a part of our right. team this year going <laughs> forward, even though he's not going to stay up because we just needed to make a procedural move to kind of shuffle pitchers in and out. He's our best option. We bring him up. We get him a cup of coffee. Literally – a cup of coffee and say, Hey, Brooke, how you doing? Take some pictures with kids. Cause it was kids opening day. Um, you know, hang out in the locker room, grab dinner with Joey Votto, uh, pay attention a little bit, go back down to Louisville. You'll be up again in a month. And you, you know what you're up against when you get here next time. And I don't think there's any harm in that, especially for a team that's in the situation where the Reds are right now. Um, but even if they had chose to keep him around, I, I think there's a spot for him and for Shevler and for Duvall to all get a lot of at-bats if the Reds are willing to be as flexible about things as it looks like they are going to be with, heck, with a pitching staff, for one. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think there's the ability to kind of get guys uh, not just their feet wet, but to, to get them big league, you know, true experience, too, without feeling like you're wasting time. Um, you know, I, I go back to the Dodgers because I feel like the Dodgers, since they – since they hired the entire Tampa Bay uh, front office a couple of years ago, it's kind of been the classic case of how to manage all of this. Because uh, you know, for the last four or five years, the the Dodgers have seemingly had twenty seven outfielders on their roster at all given times. Uh, they've gone through Carl Crawford and uh, Andre Ether is still hurt. They've shed Matt Kemp. They had Scott Van Slyke and Yasiel Puig and Jock Peterson and Trace Thompson and. You name it, there's like 35 guys that have been out there, and they found a way to get them all playing time. You know, um, they had Hernandez, Kiki Hernandez, who they play in the outfit a little bit too. Like, uh, they rotate guys, they get guys four starts out of five, and they find a way to make it work. The Reds have never really been a team to do that, but I think they've got the ability to do that, as we've talked about extensively in the infield earlier. The outfield, I think, could work that way too. I really do, especially if, you know, if you make sure that you. Every time you're on a road trip and you're playing in big outfields like in San Francisco or L.A. or San Diego or 
uh, here in Colorado even, you put Billy Hamilton out there for defense. But if you're playing 81 games in Great American Ballpark, you can kind of pick and choose to put an offensive uh, uh, outfield out there every now and then. And I think they can find a way to make it work. It's a good option to have. And obviously, Winker looks like he's ready. Uh, if his wrist is healthy, I think he'll have better numbers. But um, it's a good problem to have is kind of what it comes down to. And I look forward to having that problem uh, get sorted out when he's back up in the big leagues at some point this year. Yeah, that to me, that was the only thing that I think I was most disappointed in was that it wasn't a more permanent move or a more long-term thinking move than it was. You know, to me, you know, I I think that we could have seen that kind of four-man outfield that you were you were talking about, and it's it's not far fetched to think that you know with all the young guys that the Reds have that they couldn't find a way to get those guys playing time, but. You know, I he'll be back eventually. So you know, I it's you can't really get too animated one way or the other about it. Um, you know, it starts as it starts as service clock, which they conveniently waited until the day after I think the the arbitration deadline to do that. Yeah. So <laughs> not not a coincidence there at all, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I. It's it's an interesting move. It's definitely to me. It's definitely not a move that we would have seen in the Walt Jockety era of the Reds. So, yeah, that's it's another thing that I'm not used to seeing as a Reds fan. But hey, it it was exciting to see him up. It was exciting to see him, you know, family in town watching him get at bats, and that that was a pretty cool cool sight. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if anything, it was a kind of a tip of the cap to Reds fans from the Reds front office that said, "Hey, yeah, we know Jesse Winker's ready. He's 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 ready. Right? You know, like he'll he's going to be a part of this year and years going forward. We got more than twenty five guys that are that could be on the twenty five man roster right now, and it's a numbers crunch more than him not being ready. Like here, here he is. Now you know he's ready too. He's going to be back. We just got to shuffle things up to begin with. And I think that was kind of a um, it was cool to get him uh, inundated in the big league lifestyle for a weekend uh, while also uh, kind of playing their cards a little bit publicly to say, hey, yeah, we get it. He's ready. We know we just got to find a way to get him more playing time and he'll be back at some point very, very soon. But look, like we've we've acknowledged that he's capable of getting big league plate appearances at this point, which just opens the door for everything else he can do. So, yeah, we'll we'll see a lot more of him, and we will gladly be able to talk about more Jesse Winker for the rest of uh, this year and beyond. Yep, let's hope so. All right, well, with that, uh, I think we have pretty much covered as much Reds news as there is right now. So I think we're we're caught up. If you're – a loyal uh, podcast listener, you are caught up with the Reds. You can go to the water cooler tomorrow morning and uh, <laughs> you can talk talk Reds baseball with uh, anybody out there. So um, anything anything else that uh, you guys want to talk about? Uh, the, uh, the Cardinals are the worst team in baseball. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. That's always fun. It's always fun. It's that's, al- always hey, fun. Hey, that's, that's worth mentioning for – they're the worst team in the NL. Um, it looks like, looks like Toronto, oh, yeah, Toronto has yeah. over, overtaken them in the AL. But 
They're, they are the worst team in the National League, which is which is a brilliant sight. In part, in part because the Reds took two out of three on the road at St. Louis and helped put them in, in behind the eight ball. In large part because of Amir Garrett, who I guess we could I, – hell, I could talk about Amir Garrett for 45 more minutes, which we don't need to do right now. So um, we'll, we'll give Amir one more start to, to, to prove how awesome he is, and we will – We'll talk a lot about America next week. How about that? Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, with that, um, let's wrap this up. So let's uh, – you can follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Come see us at redreporter.com. And uh, subscribe on iTunes. And we'll see you next time. Right on. Bye, guys. See you guys.